The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after to speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these least little one, one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung round his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. So today's Gospel reading uh, has many different interpretations, even amongst the Church Fathers. Uh, and so <clears throat> I think what's helpful then to do as well is to look at the first and second reading and see, well, what, what lens is the church giving us through the first and second reading to approach the gospel uh, and then begin to open the gospel through that lens, through the wisdom of the church in the way in which she puts these readings together. And so that first reading from the book of Numbers, uh, the Lord comes down to Moses and he distributes his, he takes his spirit from Moses, some of that spirit, and he puts it out uh, upon the 70 elders and then he also puts it out upon two others who are within the camp. And the response of Joshua, the one who has been following Moses this whole time, is one of a, a type of a jealousy over the work of God, over the gifts of God, and over the things of heaven. Um, and so what he does is he says, Lord Moses, forbid them. Stop this movement that is happening within the camp. And so Moses, who is, as we know, what Scripture calls him the meekest of all men, and what the Lord calls him. He says, are you jealous for my sake? And then he shows that actually what he would love is if everyone had the same spirit of God and if everyone was participating in the spirit and if everyone was prophesying. He says that is the purpose, that is the goal, right? That everyone comes into a deep union with God, that everyone is filled with his spirit and this would cause Moses in his sanctity and holiness and in his humility, this is what would cause him great joy 
And this is what would cause God great joy, right? Which is that his spirit is poured out upon all, which eventually he will then be able, uh, what the Lord will do through his own passion and death, is make possible that the spirit can be poured out on all who desire to have that spirit by grace, to enter into that grace through the sacraments of the church and receive that generous outpouring of the Lord's spirit that he desires. And so what we see is this type of kind of jealousy over guarding the treasures of heaven in the first reading. But then in the second reading, what St. James is speaking about is more an avaricious kind of uh, attitude towards the things of earth. So the treasures of earth is this, this desire to hoard and to collect riches. Um, and so you see this avaricious movement in the heart as, as St. James is speaking in the beginning, which is that your gold and your silver have, has, have rusted. He's speaking about the folly of what it is to pursue and accumulate all of these earthly riches and to hoard them up and not even to hoard up riches only, but also to deny what is just to others. And so he speaks about how the fact that they have not been, uh, he's not even paid the wages of the laborers that have mowed your fields, but you have kept back by fraud. So it is this desire to hoard treasure, right, which can be both spiritual, as we see in the first reading, or even material, as we see in the second reading. And then we can go then, okay, well, looking at this in the gospel, how does this apply in the gospel. And so we can see, well, maybe this is what is moving within John. We don't know that for sure, but it might be one of the movements that is happening within, within John, which is this desire to protect the treasures and the gifts uh, of heaven, and most especially the name of Jesus Christ, right? And so there is a certain movement in John that is right. He, decides, he desires to defend the name of Jesus, um, that it is not used where it should not be used. And so John brings this in his openness, in his desire to know the truth. This has obviously been something that is troubling him within his own self. And so eventually he presents it to the Lord. And so he says to the Lord, Teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he was not following us. And so in that he's asking a question, was that the right thing to do? And so the Lord says, do not forbid him, right? So do not forbid him. And there is one of the commentaries that I was reading, which I thought was also very beautiful. And it speaks about the initial movements of grace and how we have to be very careful when the initial movements of grace are at work in a soul. And so we might meet someone uh, that has come out of a life of real sin, right? And so a real disorder, real sin. But there are some slow and uh, small movements of grace happening in their heart small things that are happening. And it is very important that we do not squash those movements, but that we encourage them towards perfection. So while there might be a deficit in the person's life, while they might be doing some things that are good and other things that are still not uh, right, so that's what John says. He says, he was casting out demons in your name, but he was not following us, right? So there wasn't this union that he is called to yet. And that is what the Lord is saying, is that it is, might not simply, just might not be yet, right? So don't squash those movements, but rather encourage them. Because these small movements are good things. And so the Lord says, right, he even says that not only just simply casting out demons, but he gives another example. He says, if someone gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ, he will by no means lose his reward. So it's not simply the great things, even like casting out demons, but even a giving of a cup of water, which is something that anyone can do, right? A simple and one of the simplest acts of charity that can be done. 
Again, there is a reward even for that. And so even these small initial movements of grace in souls, we should encourage as you would encourage a fire to increase and to burn ever more brightly. That is the attitude that we should have towards those types of movements. And then what goes on is the Lord says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better. And he gives a very severe consequence to squashing out that initial movement, that initial movement of grace. St. Augustine says that these little ones that the Lord who is speaking about, what has happened just before this gospel is the Lord has been speaking about the little children. And then John inter almost interrupts that with this question. And then the Lord comes back to little ones, right? He comes, brings the conversation back around to these little ones. But now it also includes, as St. Augustine says, these ones in their initial movements of goodness and of love. And so he says, and he gives a very severe consequence to stopping that movement, right? If anyone causes these little ones who believe in me to sin, that is to even deviate from the small path of charity that they have begun upon, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now that is not a consequence, but it is just saying that the consequence is severe. So the Lord is giving this analogy so that the understanding can be in the disciples that to move against this has a severe consequence. And then the Lord turns the focus, okay, turn the focus away from others. Because while we might want to stop good works in others because we perceive that they are not yet perfect, the Lord then again, as he always does, as he turns the vision inwards. Look into yourself, right? Which is that give the same zeal to stopping the initial movements of sin that you have been giving to stopping the, the, these kind of like beginning movements of grace that are happening. And so he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, obviously, this is not literal. Otherwise, we would have had a church full of people unable to do anything or walk anywhere, right? I mean, this is not what the Lord means by this. There's a spiritual interpretation that we have to take from this. And many of the church fathers, they either attribute this to the friendships that we keep, right? So the eye, the hand, or the foot being types of friendships, either friendships that assist us or help us to move along, or fr friendships that, again, we might draw. Um, he says, uh, one of the church fathers says, like, the eye can represent a friend who always gives us counsel. But if these cause us to sin, if these friendships cause us to sin, well, then you need to cut them out. You need to cut them out because it is more important. Uh, a friendship with God is more important than any other friendship. But there's another interpretation that I also thought was very beautiful. And it's more to do with the interior uh, activities of the soul. And that is that, uh, and it's the relationship that the interior has with the exterior things that we do. And so the hand can represent the work that we do, right? The work that we do in this life. If that causes us to sin, cut it out. What the foot can represent is the places that we go, right? The places and the occasions of sin that we might put ourselves into. If that causes us to sin, Cut them out. If the eye causes us to sin, which is what do we take in through our senses? What are we watching? What are we listening to? If that causes us to sin, cut it out. And so our work, the places we go, the things that we consume through our senses, through our eyes, if any of those cause us to sin, then we must be very severe in that reaction. 
And so the severity that the disciples were showing towards the man who was prophesying in the name of Jesus was misguided. But they should have that same severity with anything that might lead them to sin. And so that severity is shown by the fact that the Lord says, cut it off, right? This immediate detachment, this immediate separation from anything that might allow sin to enter into our souls. And so what the gospel is showing us, just to summarize again at the end, which is that we should encourage any good movement in a soul that we see. Any movement towards Jesus Christ should be facilitated, encouraged, so that that soul might come to perfection. But we should be very severe in our own soul with making sure that when we assess our life, we cut out all of the things that might keep us from receiving and from keeping and guarding this gift of sanctifying grace that we have within us, this gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells within our soul. Amen.